0: Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for a bonus episode. Today, we are joined by John Macaluso, the mastermind behind ARK and so many other uh, bands that he's been associated with. Uh, Chris, obviously, we spoke about Burn the Sun a couple of months ago, and I thought, what better guest to have with us than uh, the man that that started ARK and and obviously was behind the, the drum kit for so many other albums. So, John, I'll cut to you in one second, but Chris, how are you, man? Doing well, buddy. Doing well. How are you? I'm I'm doing great, and I, and I should note at the outset, it's uh, somebody's birthday today, and it, it's not me, and it's not Chris. So, John, welcome to the Metal Exchange, and happy birthday, my man. Thanks so much. 41.
1: Unbelievable. Ah, yeah. My <laughs> shoes are 41 years old. <laughs> Yeah, man. Thanks so much. I turned 54 today. I can't
0: believe it. Congratulations. You, you look great. Uh, you sound uh, obviously fantastic on the new Michael Romeo single. We'll get to that at the back end, but I, want to, I want to kind of start at like the beginning. Obviously you had been playing drums for, for some time before arc. Um, how did you get involved with that project back in the late nineties and how did you kind of get the band together? How did that project get off the ground? I got to thank Joe Franco for pretty much
1: getting me out of Comac to start a real drum career <laughs> because <laughs> I mean, he was like my Joe Franco. Everybody knows Joe Franco, especially in New York. Um, he was my hero still is. Uh, I took lessons from him and I was just blown away. Cause to me, Franco was like Eddie Van Halen. Right? Right. And then I heard he was coming to a, a drum store in Long Island and I started to study with him from then. He would recommend me for gigs. So, He recommended me for TNT. Right. Yeah. So in 1990, I started playing with TNT, and they're from Norway. So it was a lot of trips over to Norway, and we rehearsed in a school that was that was owned by the guys from a band called Conception, which was Roy Khan from Camel, you know, and Torum, Osby was the guitar player. So it was a school. So after the TNT rehearsals. Um, TNT would go back uh, to the hotel and I would stay and play floor hockey with uh, the guys in this, this band, Conception. Right. And me and the guitarist, a couple of times, we just started to um, we say, hey, the equipment's here, let's jam. And the first thing we ever played, just me and him, was uh, Miola, Race with the Devil on a Spanish Highway. So that started the whole flamenco with the double kick and the jungle beats it was kind of just a jam thing. And we said, wow, nobody plays flamenco guitar and double bass. And if you hear ARC albums, that's a big part of our thing. It just oh, started, totally. Yes, Hanging out in the school
0: after rehearsals and jamming to Al And he's he still, and obviously Conception is back. They recorded a new album recently. So they're, they're back in the mix, uh, obviously. So it actually went back to your TNT days where you, you met him, you know, as Conception was getting off the ground. Is that, is that right? Yeah, I mean, they, were, I, they had one or two albums out, and, um,
1: uh, you know, I would always go back to Norway uh, for TNT, and we would always hang out, me and him. And we kept saying, one day we're going to do an album. One day we're going to do an album. So then when I left TNT, I was playing with Riot, and, uh, I had, I had, a, I still had a plane ticket from one, because we never finished the tour or something happened. I had a plane ticket from New York to Norway. So I called him up and I said, let's start. And he said, great. So I went over there. We went back into the same school and recorded the first ARC album. And it was meant to be a demo. Hmm. And what you hear is that when I when I used my free plane ticket to go to the school, we recorded that whole album in a gymnasium. And wow. Yeah. So ARC 1 was recorded in gymnasium on half-inch tape. And it was crazy because after we recorded the album – he had to use the tape to do the conception demos. So we had to erase all the stuff, man. We, oh, so, that's hysterical. So there's no, there's no way to like master separate tracks anymore. You know, um, we didn't expect it to be an album. We didn't have a singer. And then I knew Yorn Landa because he used to hang out with the TNT guys and he would never speak. He was really quiet. And, um, Tora said, what about Yorn?" I said, yeah, I heard Vagabond. He's a great singer. So, Jorn sang on it, and we're the only band to get a record deal in a record store. Me and Toro yeah. went, we were in Oslo, we we're walking around, we went to check out some records, and the, um, record company president of Face Front, he also owns Scream Magazine, he said, uh, I'll give you guys a deal. We said, great. So we walked out with a record deal out of a record store. And, That's hysterical. And, and Peter Gabriel album, actually. But, yeah. uh, He said he didn't want to redo it. He wanted to put that out. So we mastered it. We we mixed it the best we could. Um, Of course, I
0: was big on that mix. You could hear it because it's all drums. (laughs) You know, I was I was listening to it earlier today, and obviously, I knew. Just by way of background, I heard "Burn the Sun" first, and then I heard the original self-titled album. Probably years later, just because it, you know it was kind of hard to track down or whatever. But yeah. I still listened to it, and I noticed that you're very high in that mix, and and everything else is kind of like down a little bit through, through no fault of your own, I'm sure. But it does. No, it's the mine. It is fault of mine. Never get a drum and <laughs> mix your album, man.
1: No, I didn't mix it. I was just there, you know, critiquing. No, I no, we mixed it together, me and Torah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We, we, <laughs> It's my fault. Anyway. <laughs> It still came out great. It's like more of an experimental album. And it's crazy because drum-wise, there's a lot of tunes on that album. For example, the intro of Where the Wind's Blow. There's no backbeat. There's no snare drum. Because after playing with TNT and Riot and all these bands, it was very... I said, let me experiment and get rid of that two and four. And if you listen to The Police, Stuart Copeland, a lot of songs didn't have... that. So we experimented with strange things like that, man, you know? And in a way, it's a groundbreaking album. I just wish I just wish I didn't mix it myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it, would be- <laughs> it's, it, it does have some, like, real charm to it because yes. – uh, and Chris will tell you, a couple of uh, months ago, we had on uh, Gary Weircamp from Shadow Gallery on, on oh, wow. with us. And he was saying that it was the same thing with Shadow Gallery where their debut album that they released – had no drummer and was basically a demo that they never intended to see the light of day, but they put it out as their debut album. So it's kind of a parallel there just because sometimes you don't expect something to come out, but you know, somebody hears it and they're like, we just have to release it as is. And and they put it out. Yeah. Or you get that demo-itis thing where the demo is actually better than the album.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we were ready. We would have recorded a better album, but uh, it's got, like you said, it's got some charm. It's got special moments. And Okay, also from Joe Franco, I got recommended to Malmstein. So I got the Ingve gig through Franco and Ingve you know how I got the Ingve gig? I got a call from the management. Said I was recommended by Joe. I sent that album, Arc One, to Ingve and he I got a call one day and he said, Hey John, this is Ingve J Malmstein. And he yeah. did use the J. He used the J. And um he said, uh, "I got this album you sent, Arc. Um, is it you playing?" I said, "Of course, it's me playing." <laughs> and Yngwie loved where the winds blow. Uh, well, I remember when I first went down to meet him to record Alchemy or to rehearse for Alchemy. Uh, he picked me up in his car and he had the CD and he was always playing where the winds blow. Also hmm. in sound check, we would do a little bit of where the winds blow. But I'm no um, kidding. Yeah, so back to Arc, man. I was trying to do something special like anti backbeat all the time. Just make rhythm. And it was cool because, um, you know, Osby was into the uh, the flamenco thing and uh, the Latino thing. And in that music, they don't have a snare drum. You know what I mean? So little things like that stick out. And the intro of the album, this is cool. We recorded it in the school. One night we were having a couple of beers, or many beers, and mm-hmm. I broke a beer bottle on the floor. So I just jumped on the floor. I put a drum head over it. And... Some broken cymbals and we put a microphone on it and I recorded the intro of the album. That's so it's broken Heineken bottles with a drum head on top and a bunch of broken stuff put through a flanger. So before the very intro to the album, it's, you could hear the glass rattling.
0: Yeah. And, and it's one of the you few know, albums like that. that actually, and it's one of the few albums that opens. With a drum fill, which which is why I knew you had something to do with, to do with that as well, because it's just so unorthodox. Well, oh, that's in my contract. Every album out <laughs> yeah, the, 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 there, you go. <laughs> um, how was the how was the debut received? Uh, you know, in the community, because you would obviously get back in the studio fairly quickly to re- to record "Burn the Sun." Yeah, strange man. I remember because um, the internet wasn't big,
1: so it was like magazines and uh, the stuff that was on the internet. We did the album in um, '98. So it wasn't like everybody was, um, YouTube and everything. It wasn't like that at all. We would read strange magazines sometimes. And, um, one guy wrote something like, what is this so-called creative drumming? Everybody's talking about creative drumming. It just sounds weird to me. So you got like those people who aren't used to it, you know? And one guy was like, wait, is David Coverdale with El Demiola and, um, and, and, um, uh, you know, uh, some crazy drummer. So a lot of people didn't get it. And even I didn't get it in a way because I it, my vision was to have more like a Peter Gabriel or David Bowie kind of vocal and mm. Torah too more like Moody and Yawn straight out said no no I am a singer I must sing that was his line and we let him go man and he it, you know reminiscent of Coverdale and um and, and Dio in there and of course then his own thing you know because Yorn's a chameleon you could just say. I'll tell you later when we did Burn the Sun, basically, we would just call out, you know, Sting, Britney Spears, uh, you know, and he would <laughs> mimic them. And he's so good where he makes it sound cool. So, I mean, the reaction was strange, but then it started to get strong. Like, um, hey, this is cool. What is this? And people from like famous bands started to talk about it in the Prague world. And I was like, wow, we got something here. And then we got a real
0: deal. And that was to Burn the Sun. And but, uh, did you, had you played any shows for, for with the debut or had you not really done the live thing at that point? No, we didn't
1: do any shows. But when we did Burn the Sun... No, okay. Arc, really, the first album is a trio. We got a keyboard player to come in as a session, man. Right. And if you look, the bass is done by Tora Osby, but we wrote... we wrote. Um, it looks kind of nerdy if you got, you know, a new band and it's the guitar player playing a
0: bass. So we gave him a name, Todd Pulson. <laughs> you know, I had no okay. idea that that was like a, a gimmick name.
1: Yeah, we like a real American name, like Todd, and we mixed it with like a Norwegian thing, like Sen. Todd <laughs> We spent the whole night trying to come up with a name. So Tor is a bassist, and then we got a, a keyboard session guy. Uh, Trond, that's the name. Trond Nagerdahl. and he, he's killer. He came in one night and just did all that stuff. So um, first time we ever played a gig, the first gig was um, – we put out Burn the Sun and Portnoy knew our a um, and guy very well in France. And Mike said um, it's one of his favorite albums, Burn the Sun, and Pain of Salvation had a new album. So he said uh, – a record company called and they said, do you guys want to come and do an acoustic trio? You can do three gigs in France, one in Paris in the – um, what was it again? In Tower Records and one in Lyon – and also this dream theater convention thing. And it was strange. It was like in a gigantic um, club called Alyssi Mamont, which is burnt down now. And it was like, uh, you know, people with memorabilia. And Mike was there, and he played with the guys from Pain of Salvation. And we did a trio. It was just me on a kick drum and a snare and, like, um, they call hot rods. It's those wooden... Uh, Wooden stick brushes, like brush sticks. So, mm-hmm. and Tora only on acoustic guitar, no electric. And yawn. And that was our first gig at the the Portnoy thing. And then we did Tower Records and and Leon. And uh, the cool thing was to see all these people of all ages at this show in Tower Records. It was like babies, seventy five year olds, people with baguettes and berets, <laughs> um, you know, thirty year olds. And I said, we got something here. It was instant. I said, we got it, man. You know, let's do it. And uh, we, we all planned on doing it anyway, but from basically Burn the Sun was like when we realized we got something cool.
0: And, and obviously, I guess that's how, you know, as as you get back into the studio, is is that how like Randy and Matt's kind of get in the mix? You know, obviously, uh, both unfortunately no longer with us, but just in well, terms of crazy. like... my yeah, best, friends, just, I mean, Yeah, I mean, okay, Ark was still a trio
1: when we did Burn the Sun. Um, hmm. So it was me and Tora... We, we wrote a lot. Like we, um, the way we did the albums, both of them, old school. We get in the studio and we just jam, 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 jam and record everything. And then, um, we, we listen at night and we pick the parts. This is really cool. Does it connect with this? So we spent about five months doing that, writing all the material. And then we went to the studio in Germany with Tommy Newton and, um, we started recording and we did the drums and, the guitar, and we said, who are we going to use for bass and keys? Because we had a bass player come in, a Dutch dude, and he was good, but it didn't fit. And Tommy, the producer, he wanted somebody different also. So I said, wait, you know, I was playing with Yngwie at the time. I was just like on a break. So we did Burn the Sun between uh, Yngwie's tour and the "Water and End Wars album. And I said, what about I get Mats and Randy? And Tor was like, okay. So we called him up. And I said, Randy, bring two basses. Bring your fretted bass and bring the fretless because I want to use fretless everywhere.
0: Okay, and it sounds perfect on this album. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I mean, arc
1: pretty much it, up until the end, we were still experimenting in the studio. So we wrote a lot of stuff like crazy, but we didn't do 100%. We left some room. And, and Tommy was really strict. Tommy, the producer, um, he was like, that's perfect, but this song I don't like. And it, there was an extra room with a drum set set up. Get in the room and write something new. So, me and Toro were there for months before Randy, Mats, so or Yorn came. We recorded all the stuff, and then Randy flew over with his two bases, and uh, Mats flew over with his keys, and it was us four. And we just, it was like an assembly line, because uh, Yorn couldn't be there yet. So, finally, Yorn was there, and all five of us are there for the first time, and um, like an assembly line. We would, um at night, Tony, no, Tommy would have to take a break because he was recording all day. We'd go in, I would press record, or Toro would press record. Um, Randy would do bass with Tommy in the day. And then me and Yorn were writing lyrics in the kitchen while Tor was working with Tommy, recording keyboards. At night, me and Yorn and Toro would go do the vocals. Tommy would sleep. It was like, because we were living in the studio. I miss those days, you know? You know, there's no time. It's like being in the army. You you, you know, you get up and fight when you're awake. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it was like one guy would sleep, the other guy would work. And that's how we did it, man. Boom, 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 boom. And at the end, I just remember listening. I go, my God, I'm, we all looked at each other and we go, have you heard anything like this? Not in an arrogant way, in a real way. And we're like, no, what can you describe it as? I don't know. It's Prague, but there's
0: songs, you know. So, and I think that that's part of the, I mean, like I had said, you know, when we recorded our episode on this, you know, a couple of months ago, this to me is a desert album island because it sounds nothing like I had heard up to that point. And with the exception of maybe stone leaders, which obviously you had a hand in, you know, almost 15 years, 16 years later or what have you, it just sounds so unique, but it's not Prague for the sake of Prague. Because there's songs and there's melodies and the vocal lines you can you know stay in your head as well with yeah. some of the most unique drumming and keyboards and the fretless bass. I mean, it, it's just like a – I mean, it's a perfect storm of sound. Cool. And, I, and I'll say one other thing about it. The mix – yeah. I would still put the mix of that album up against any album I've heard in the last 20 years. That's yeah. how good it is. And I, I don't know if you, that was like a, something you realized after you recorded it or if that's, you know, maybe I'm the first to tell you, but to me, I think the mix just stands out above anything I've heard since then.
1: It's, it's a brilliant mix. It's Tommy Newton. And I wasn't there. That's why it's probably sounds so, even. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, like before that, in my drum career, I was always, um, kind of slaughtered in mixes. If you listen to Ingbe albums, uh, you know, no matter how great Ingbe is, in the end, he gets his hand on the dials and those albums, you know, cause Alchemy was a brilliant, brilliant sound. We used a dude from, a uh, Chris Tangridis, man, it's in Lizzie Painkiller, you know? And, um, we did it at Criteria Studios where they did Heaven and Hell. And, um, I thought that album was going to be like modern drummer cover. And when I got it, I was like, what happened? And, you know, that's happened and Riot was the same. No matter how good these songs were and these bands were, the mix, I never really got me. And when I got Burn the Sun delivered to me, I was blown away. I sat in a car in a garage for like eight hours listening to it again and again. I was like, wow, man. So that was the first album that I could hear myself for real, you know. Because I'm hitting the shit out of it on those albums, I'm smacking it, and sometimes the way those albums were mixed, it sounds like I'm in the other room. So yeah,
0: I, you know, it's funny. I, even even when you, I I I was lucky enough to be in New York City when you and Yorn were playing with Inve, ah. you know, at, at the Roseland Ballroom, and and I, I remember. Yeah. And it was, I mean, as a, as a young Yorn fan and who I was, I mean, obviously I was a fan of conception from, from, you know, even before this, but as a fan of Ark and obviously some of Yorn's other work, even live, you couldn't even hear the mix so well from for you guys, that Yorn was down in the mix and obviously the guitar is, you know, cranked up to 15 and, and yeah. even the drums you could, you, so I, it was a cool show. It just wasn't, you know, it wasn't the way I would have mixed it. I'll leave, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm, um... Yeah, I mean it's a totally different head.
1: The arc music was something um pretty much if I want if I was going to spit
0: on a cymbal, I wanted to hear it. You know right, what I mean? Right. And, and and you do because you I mean like it's it's I there's one I I I hear the uh the the coin that drops oh, yeah. in in that in, in that first track and it's like it's one of the coolest sound effects I've ever heard in my life and and, and it was crystal clear and it just like I said, everything popped, and I think that that's part of the allure. Never mind the fact that the songwriting was so good. Yeah, I mean, the mix is such a huge part of any album. You know, what I mean, and
1: yeah. that album, I'm so proud of. To this day, I'm so happy with it, and people are discovering it now, man. You know, I get yeah, emails for, for the time. first
0: time. You know, it's like it's 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 one of those things where it just people just cycle in and out, and they keep you know they once they gravitate towards it, they it never leaves their playlist. What's your favorite track? It's funny you mention that. We we always have uh, a track of the week every time we you know we kind of do this, and and it's one of those things where like every time I listen to the album, I kind of pick a different song because I just love it so much. But I remember choosing "Torn" at the time that I that I that I selected it, and I Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you chose you chose the title track. I think. I thought it was the other way around. (laughs) No, no, I'm I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I have it right. But you know, either way, like I said, I I listened to this earlier this week, and I said to myself, "My God, you know, Resurrection popped out for me as as the track." So it's like it it really just it's just the kind of the mood you're in. It's it's just such a such a good release. Uh, I have to ask. Speaking Speaking of torn, I want to tell you torn real quick. Um,
1: When we were writing, when we were writing for the album. Uh Yorn Yorn Torah and Yorn came to New York City for the last writing session. I was living in Queens in Forest no in uh Kew Gardens, Queens. So we they all stayed at my apartment. And um one night we went to um the bitter end. No. Oh, yeah. the, no, the bottom line. And we saw Trila Gurtu, who's a drummer who's amazing. He's an Indian drummer. He plays tabla. He kneels down, there's no bass drum. He plays uh tom as his kick and He's an incredible drummer. And then he does the Indian counting, like So if you listen to him Torn, Yorn is imitating him. He's imitating Trila Gertu. And another cool thing about that song, the whole Space guitar thing. Cause yeah. I took, I took them to 48th street and they went to Sam Ash or guitar, one of these places and Tora bought a space echo. So he was obsessed with it. So that song torn was very influenced by that New York, um, visit.
0: <laughs> that's fan, that's 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 hysterical um I, I have to say it was it was it was it was groundbreaking then i i still think it's groundbreaking now I, one of the things that we had heard uh we had actually had roland grappo on the show from uh halloween and obviously master plan yeah. and we were talking about the debut master plan album with yorn on vocals yeah and what he said was that when yorn came into the studio he just kind of really they just gave him the lyrics and he kind of just did his thing and put it over the top of the music. I was wondering if it was the same thing for, for this record where everything was laid down. You gave him, you know, you wrote them, wrote the the vocal, um, the lyrics with him. And then he just kind of put his inflection on it.
1: Exactly. Like while they were recording keyboards with mats, I remember Yorn was like, come on, we need two more lines, two more lines. And with me and me and Yorn always writing everything together in the kitchen. And one of the last songs we did was the vocals for Absolute Zero and we had no idea what are we going to do so I took a science book out of the the bookshelf and Jorn just started to reading solar flare aurora you know and we took like these scientific terms and I go this goes with the title burn the sun so a lot of it is straight out of a science book but just cut together so the way we did it we wrote the lyrics me and Yon, and then at night we would go in and Tommy was sleeping some of the time so I it was done on two-inch tape and the Studer the old days. So you had to press, record, and play a split second before you recorded. So I was doing it, and when I mentioned Britney Spears, I'm not joking around. Like Toro hit, 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 me, hit me, baby, one more time." He was singing it one day, and don't give up. And when we did, when we did, um, just a little, I go try that Britney Spears thing. Listen to the chorus. Don't give up the fight. Da, 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 da. That's how he works. You give him lyrics, but let him go. I mean, there's no, we didn't have any melodies written. You just let your own go. And that's when that magic comes out. But, and then we say sting. So, um, what's that song? So your face in a magazine, feed the fire. Yeah. Total sting, you know? And the cool thing, like that's why it's special. All of us working together, we were influencing each other. And if you listen to us out of arc, we all sound different. So I think we helped each other in that thing,
0: you know. What what was what was your inspiration, or I guess what were you listening to at the time that that I guess created some of these drum fills and some of these? I don't, I don't even know how to describe it because it it just sounds nothing like any drums that I've heard on anything else. And and and, and yeah. since then, what what were your inspirations for this? Out for you know around this time,
1: a lot, I got a lot of Bozio. Um, but not in music. He, he was starting to get into this uh, um, solo drumming thing, but not drum solos like time to go get a hot dog drum solo. Right, right. Try right. To make, trying to make music, trying to play melodies on drums. So I was listening to a lot of that, and you could hear it in um, on the first track, "Hear the Waters. Um, uh, no, you could hear it in Waking Out." <laughs> If you just hear that drum track alone, it's got some kind of melody thing happening. So the track was written on that. That's how we started that track. And that was very Bozio. And then Trilak Gertu, a lot of the Indian guys, and a lot of these rhythms are from Indian music. Um, tan, 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 the end of Resurrection. So I was doing a lot of the Indian stuff and then a band called Magma which is a french prog band and the drummer is the leader i like that anyway the drummer is um he's the leader of the thing and he still claims he's from a, another planet and people come on man you've been around for 40 years tell us the truth where you're from he's like i'm not from here so magma and they write their own language like all the albums are sung not in french not in english but their own are you
0: familiar with magma tangentially i i i subscribe to Prague magazine. So I I've seen their stuff, but I've never, I'm not familiar with the music, but I, I kind of know a little bit of the backstory there. So that's, it's funny that you mention it.
1: Yeah. That, that, so it was pretty much, um, a lot of Indian stuff, a lot of the magma stuff and, um, very Bozio, Terry Bozio, very Bozio, oh, a little joke there. <laughs> yeah. That, and I'm um, trying to think what else man listening to, um, no, man, when I'm going to record or I'm going to write, I try to stay away from listening to anybody's music so I don't try to steal it. Or I don't subliminally wake up, I got a lick. That, that, Yeah. You know what I
0: mean? Exactly, exactly. Um, so after, after the album comes together, I know that it, this was, it, it, I remember it vividly. This got absolute, like, rave reviews in 2001 when it came out. I know that you played the Prod Power Festival the following year or actually I guess it was later that year when it came out. One yeah. of my biggest regrets was missing that show. It's a festival that I've been attending since 2002, but I missed Arc and I have to live with that. But that's 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 my cross to bear. Uh-huh. I guess my my question for you is in the final days of the band, were you t- tell how did how did everything kind of just like not carry over with that third album? Uh, uh, basically
1: we're good musicians, but we're the three stupidest people on earth and I'm Sicilian. I have a Sicilian head, but I don't know what their excuse is. (laughs) We, um, I don't know, man. I mean, um, we got along and we got along musically and we were great friends. There's really no problem. There there was no problem, you know? Um, but I think the problem started to start within the band and, uh, it's stupid because everybody was kind of like, I-, I wanted to uh... uh It's one of those things you always ask, how did that band break up? They're so stupid. Why don't they get together again? It's one of those situations where um, we knew we had something great. And I feel if we kept going because we were different, we had songs. Joe Turner said that ARC was a rock band. You know, he said it, it's kind of to him, it's like ACDC playing Prague. Mm. And our lifestyle was that way, which separated us from the other guys. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we weren't doing Friday night video fights, and um, you know, you know, we were we were really um, I mean, video game fights. You know, what I mean, yeah, 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 it, yeah. We came from Malmsteen's band. We were kind of hardcore, you know, but it was a rock band, and yeah, the songs were involved. So I kind of agree with that. It's like uh, this rock band playing Prague, but problems started to start, and unfortunately, we never got over them, and then. You know, on the way that we tried to make the third album. I mean, we did the drum tracks twice. The drum tracks are done. Me and Tora wrote a lot of the stuff. And we went to Germany to do the third album. And um, that's where problems really started. And gotcha. um, we broke up there for the first time. And then we got back together, me and Tora, and we broke up again, and we broke up again. And the reason I live in Italy right now is because I went to Sweden nine years ago to start Arc again, and we broke up again. And I didn't want to go back to New York, so a friend of mine said, "Come to Italy and do a drum clinic." And I've been here ever since. I never left.
0: <laughs> so, well, God, my- God, bl- God, bless. It's. Uh, I, I know it's been a wild ride for you um, when you. You know, when you, I guess, had gone back into the studio, and I guess it's, I'm going back to like 2006, 2007, and you recorded the Union Radio album. Are there? I mean, I hear, I hear arc on that with a lot of your drumming. Is Same there? Time. Was there? Same was there time. carryover from the from you know a couple of years prior before you recorded that album? It wasn't like I said. You know, I
1: have this left over. I was going to use it on the Third ARC album. It's just because I'm not being like uh, you know me, 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 me. But um. I was a big part of the writing process from drumming because a lot of arc stuff started from a drum beat or, or jamming. Most of it started from, you know, jamming or give me some kind of strange groove. And so with union radio is the same type of thing. And also, you know, I wrote half the lyrics on the arc album. So I wrote all the lyrics on union radio. So, and also letting the guitarist, kind of do his thing. And I put a speed limit in the studio. I said, you know, 55 miles an hour guitar players. And I used <laughs> a lot more keys on this album. I didn't want it so riffy. So, you know, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's going to sound like arc if the drums, if I'm going to do the drums and that's how the writing starts. But that album, the union radio album was kind of like a, um, national geographic for me because instead of hiring people to come in, I went to them like, I played with James Labrie. I met Marco Spo- Marco Sfoli. so he was the first guitarist I used. I flew to Italy, and we sat down with all the drum tracks are recorded first for Union Radio, with songs in mind. And I would travel to different countries with the s- drum tracks and say, "Let's write to this." Right, so right. We sat in Marco Sfoli's bedroom, and you could see Mount, you could see the volcano Vesuvius because he lives right near Napoli. And he said, "Okay, cool groove. What do you want me to play?" And I like my heart dropped. I'm like, uh, I thought he was just gonna do something. And I went in the bathroom, like, Hold, what am I gonna tell this guy? <laughs> yeah. and I came out and I gave him, uh, I gave him like um, an idea. What don't Like, I sang something to him, and that's how we started to do it. To do it that way, you just got to work with really, really talented people, so they make you sound good.
0: But you gotta—I mean, you got an all-star cast on that album. I could go through the names, but I'll let people pull it up from themselves. But you got—I mean, you got world-class vocalists on all yeah, of these yeah. tracks or, or, and, and, and I, it really is amazing. The, the, the cast that you have, uh, you know, on that album. So it's, it's just funny because it sounds so cohesive given the fact that it's all over the place.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean,
0: Vitaly Cooper, Mike DeMeo, um,
1: James Labrie, Randy Coven. it goes on. It, it, you, I always say this, you know, who your real friends are when you have to move. Like Saturday morning. Hey, could you help me move? your real friend comes to help you move. And when you have to make a
0: solo album, that there you go. I haven't had the, I haven't had the experience of the latter, but having, having been in that first spot, I can only imagine what it's like, but job well done. I want to kind of transition, I guess, to, to, you know, something I had mentioned earlier. Um, in 2019 you had released Stone Leaders which to me Stone was leaders. always the second coming of Ark. Everything down from everything from Dino Jalusek, who may as well be the second coming of Yorn Land in my opinion. <laughs> or, or, or when he wants to be. I mean he can do he can do so much so much stuff obviously, but yeah. that album uh was was the closest thing I've ever heard to Burn the Sun which is oh, cool. the biggest compliment I can give it. That's uh, great. Amazing. How bro. did you Yeah, yeah, it's it, and, and I remember hearing it. I'm like it's it's I, I arc is back right under a, a new name. Huh. That's kind of the way I, I looked at it. How, how did that project come together with a, with a, with a, you know, with a bunch of guys that, you know, at that point nobody had ever heard of. Yeah. I mean, um, let me see. Yeah. I went
1: to do, I went to do a drum clinic um, with my friend. I did a lot of his records, Mysteria. All right. Mysteria is a keyboard player from Italy. And he moved to Croatia and he moved to Zagreb. So he said, uh, he talks like, uh, he talks, he talks like this, Fratello, Fratello, you can come and do a drum clinic in, um, uh, in the school I work at. And I said, great. So I flew to Croatia and I told him, I don't only want to do drums. Let's jam some stuff too. Can you get me some musicians? So he hooked me up with this guy, um, Ivan on guitar who's on Stone Leaders. Mm-hmm. Ivan, amazing, great guy, great friend, great guitar player and um, bass player Marco and Mysteria, So we jammed... Um, the first jam, it's online. You could... Uh, drum Clinic in Zagreb. We did Burn. And Ivan sang, and Marco played bass, and I played drums. So I loved... I said, man, this this was a like a really great first meeting, a first jam. And those guys said, yeah, you know, let's get your number. So we kept in touch, and I said, maybe we'll do something. So when I... I don't know. We just started to talk, me and Ivan, and we said, let's start. So Ivan flew here. We started to write riffs, and then I flew to Croatia. We started to write, I I wrote lyrics, and um, Ivan was going to sing everything. And when we went into the studio to sing, um, I said, we need some more keys. We need keys, man. And instead of having like a five-piece band, because in those days, there was still hopes of touring. You know, not like now with all the COVID and everything. So I said, wouldn't it be great if we knew a keyboard player who could sing? And he goes, I know one, this guy Dino. And I said, call him up. So Dino came in and he said, what do you want me to play? And I said, just play something and sing. Boom. And he, he ripped it up. I was like, okay. So Ivan was like, oh, I'm cool with two vocals. And I said, my favorite band is The Who. Townsend and Daltry sing. Let's do a double vocal band. So again, we wrote all the stuff me and Ivan, and put down the bass, and Dino put down the keys, and then Dino did all the vocals. And um, yeah, I mean, I wish it was heard more of that record, but some things just get buried. I, I think it's a great record, man.
0: Yeah, so. it's, it's it's very good. And Like I said, I had it's, it's again that arc style that we had talked about earlier. Yeah. Nobody really doing anything in that vein. This this, this to Come me like was recipe, the closest man. thing.
1: Yeah, like I got, I got contacted by a couple of record companies, and I said, can they said. Can you do it kind of like Ark? And I said, yeah, man. Like I know the recipe. <laughs> yeah, you're
0: you're you're the you're the master chef, right? It's just you need the right yeah. ingredients, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The the ingredients are the right guys to work with, man. Yeah, uh, but, um, um, yeah. that's so, right. Hey, it's you- cool. So I have to ask you, I guess, this question before we kind of transition into what you're doing nowadays with, with the Michael Romeo stuff and everything else. Romeo. Do you have a favorite track from Burn the Sun or from the from the debut? Just, uh, you know, what, what, what are you most proud of from, from that record?
1: Well, if you're, you're ARC fans and I love you for that. Thank you. Um, did you know Burn the Sun is a concept album, but we didn't tell it in order. I it's, to, it's told out of order. It's like put. It's like throwing puzzle pieces on the table, and now you have got to put it together. And our goal was, when we put it out, we were going to um, no, before the third album, our plan was to have some kind of contest. Now you heard "Burn the Sun." Can you put these songs in order and make hmm. a story? And that was the, we had a lot of weird things. We had that's interesting.
2: Yeah, that's a work. really cool idea. I love
1: that. Yeah, another cool idea was we were going to invite ARC fans in the studio and say you can be on the next ARC album, and we were going to put chairs all around me in a circle, and I was going to hit their heads with drumsticks, and we were going to mic them, <laughs> ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ah, all the way around. We call them drum heads. Right? <laughs> and we were, we we're going to like the fill in Fat Bottom Girls. I was going to go around and hit the heads in here, ah, ooh, ooh, in stereo, like stupid ideas like that. We never got to do, but um. Yeah, my favorite track is Hear the Waters and um, the chorus of Feed the Fire. Because Feed the Fire was a completely different verse. And I went to Hamburg. We we were recording in Germany. A friend of mine said, come visit me in Hamburg. I took a break because I was recording like mad and writing for months. I went to Hamburg for like three days. I come back and these guys like that. I said, what the hell do you do? It sounds like Andy Summers playing guitar. I hated (laughs) the verse. I hated that thing. And we had a big, a real major brawl in the studio. I said, dude, you make, it's, it's like punky, man. Like, what are you doing? And Tommy Newton said, no, we're going to keep it because he's the producer. And that was a, what a producer was for pretty much. He actually said, I'm going to pull rank on you. I'm pulling rank. Oh, so I got my stripes ripped off and they kept it. And <laughs> I, hated it, but now I love it. Now I love it.
0: Um, Sometimes it, it takes a while to marinate.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, uh, definitely hear the waters and I love feed the fire. And resurrection. Resurrection's cool. Resurrection, speaking of Bozio, there's a song from Zappa called um, Peaches and Regalia. So, if you listen to Peaches and Regalia rhythm, it's Resurrection. It's the same exact rhythm as Peaches and Regalia, but different notes. So, um, that's an example of how Bozio influenced Burn the Sun. Uh, Yeah, so it would be Heal the Waters, Resurrection, and the chorus of Feed the Fire.
2: (laughs) <laughs> good good choices um you know justin has done most of the uh the talking here he's our, our resident prog guy i'm the resident <laughs> power guy so i uh i'd be remiss if i didn't mention holy hell who i was a huge fan of oh, cool. and uh i don't i can't remember if you were in the band the last time i saw them live they were opening for manowar in cleveland and i had driven with some friends yeah, was, from rochester yeah. it was and uh, there was the show there was two shows in a row and the first night someone got hurt crowd surfing and the second night they told everybody no crowd surfing so if that rings a bell I was there I loved what Holy Hell did because there was so many talented musicians in that band Joe Stump was just like this out there guitar player I remember he was like whipping his guitar strings with the cord and everything and and he was humping his guitar he was having a grand old time great. and I, love, um, and I love Maria's vocals. Um, how did Are you get involved in Holy Hell? And, and is there any chance that there'll ever be any more um, music from them?
1: Okay, like Joe was a big fan of Yngwie and Matt Salausen played for Joe Stump. So through that, I met Joe, right? And um, I remember hearing his name all the time. And just out of the blue, one day, he called me and he said, uh, I got this band, Holy Hell, and um, we need a drummer to do, I think, those shows. I think there was five shows or something, and it was the Cleveland shows. So Joe pretty much called me to do those shows, and we all got along. And Maria's great. Maria's got like this, she's like influenced by Pat Benatar, and you can see it in the moves and the vocals, and... That makes it different than a lot of the gothic-y, like, whoa, 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 you know, she's got more of that 70s rock Benatar thing, which I love, you know? Yeah, same. they so really talented people in the band. As far as doing that again, I don't, I don't think so. I just got a different head, you know, what I want to do now. But sure, uh, sure. they're all good people and and great players, man. Um, yeah, so pretty much Joe Stump got me into that. Joe cool. called me. And from there, we went and recorded and, and also we did more gigs Opening up for Man of War, I just remember
2: being really impressed with how how well it came came off live, and just thinking yeah. to myself like, man, that's that's what you want to hear in an opening band of a show. Like you don't want to be bored or waiting for the next band. Like I thought that you guys really commanded the stage, and I just I enjoyed that a lot. So I just wanted it to was throw a great
1: live mind. band. Thank you. Yeah, it was a great live band, and I think you're right more than on record. Live, it, it um it, it gelled better on on uh, it gelled better live. I think, yeah.
0: Cool. Most recently, I think we saw you back um, playing with Labyrinth down in Atlanta uh, so a couple years ago when, uh, when when you were in town with them, which was obviously uh, awesome. I, I guess there's an Italian connection there because obviously all those guys are from from Italy. So I'm assuming that's how you got involved with that.
1: Uh, Simone Milononi, who is the guy who I got um, – an amazing friend of mine. He's the dude we did the Romeo albums with, the engineer – we recorded both albums at his studio and I did the Labyrinth album there. Um, all the Italian rock musicians know each other and Frontiers Records is here in Italy. So pretty much the Frontiers A&R and Simone recommended me. Those guys called me and we went to record the album. And I love that, that album. Yeah, it's a, album. A, it's a great album. Architecture of God is a great album.
0: And, and a it's a different well, style for you because you don't usually do the power metal stuff, but obviously you can pull it off, you know.
1: Well, I did Power Mad. I mean, here's the funny thing about that. My friend Power Mad was, um, uh, we, for anybody who doesn't know Power Mad, they were from Minnesota. And I was a session guy. I don't know how long you got, but it's a long no, story, but I'll no, try.
0: Uh, let's hear it.
1: Yeah. So this band, I was living in Long Island and um, I was playing pool with my father down the basement. I was young, man, like fucking 20 or 19 or something. And uh, my mother said, hey, Warner Brothers Records is on the phone. I'm like, yeah, what friend is messing around now? I got on the phone and it was a guy from Warner Brothers. And he said, "Um, I got this band and we need you tomorrow because the drummer is not working out. And we're in a major studio doing a major album. Um, Can you give us a demo of anything, please, please? So the next day I went to Artie, which is that music recording school, in, in Long Island, yep. I just recorded drum tracks, but with a professional sound, I sent it to the guys. They called me at night and they said, dude, those those double bass, you're wailing on a double bass. You're wailing, remember that word? Dude, you're wailing. And they came to my parents' basement, I played for them, the next day I was in the studio. So in those days, there was no Pro Tools. If you had a 12 minute song, you gotta play from start to finish. Yep. And that's where, that's where it was, man. I just got there and I hear, I'm like, oh, this is going to be hell because I have to play the whole thing. And then there's some crazy time signatures. So I'm in the studio setting the drums up and there's this dude sitting in the control room with the band. I'm like, who's he? Oh, that's the drummer. He's going to tell you what to play. I'm like, oh, my God. Not only do you got to record from start to finish, there's no punching, but now I got a guy telling me what I got to do. I'm Thank God I went to music school because I chart. I can can read. So I charted everything. And after the whole take, the guy would come in. You got to do it again because you missed that drum fill. And it, do, it was crazy. So while he
0: himself is not working out with. So obviously it's like taking orders from, uh, you know. It's,
1: yeah, it was tough. So we did it. And um, the funny thing is, after the whole album was recorded, they called me to do the tour. I was like, why didn't you let me play my stuff? Yeah. Anyway, so we, we got a gig with David Lynch in, in the movie Wild at Heart. And David Lynch, he brilliant. Nothing's over until it's over. He finished *Wild at Heart* with Nicolas Cage and Laura Dern, and then he heard *Slaughterhouse*, which, which uh, the song that we did, and he loved the song so much he wrote us into the movie. So we all flew to um we flew to L.A. We went in this place called uh, the Palomino, and uh, they they named it the Hurricane Club, and we worked with David Lynch and Nicolas Cage. It was amazing, amazing experience. But that song *Slaughterhouse*, the big labyrinth album. They have a song called Feel, and it's an instrumental. It's, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty much the same thing as that power man, and I didn't know that. I, so when I got the gig to record the album, I was sitting in the kitchen with um, uh, the guitar player, Carlo, uh, and he says, uh, he says, this song, Feel... It's kind of power metal but it's it's dancey. We got the idea from some band that was in this movie. And he pulled it up. I said, "Dude, that's me. I'm sitting in your kitchen and you're talking about Hawas. <laughs> he goes, "Get out of here." I said, "Yeah." So I was playing a power metal stuff in 88, 1988, and this is only like 3 or 4 years ago where we are sitting in his kitchen.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Small world.
1: I go, "Dude, could I could you I go, "Let me just make a suggestion. Instead of everything being digga, 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 I said, if you listen to Burn the Sun, the song is like Absolute Zero. It's still digga, 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 but it, I do like drum and bass jungle beats. And he goes, I love it. So cool. So our plan was to not only do that. And if you hear some of the tracks on Architecture of a God, I'm doing drum and bassy stuff. And also it's the first album where I use acoustic and electric drums together. Mm. So there's some electronic percussion on that. And uh, yeah, so Burn the Sun again. I used to walk around New York City and um one night I walked into a place a place called the Z Bar and I saw this guy, Jojo Mayer, ripping up this jungle drum and bass stuff live. Like and I said, Oh my god, that's where I got the influence of um absolute zero. So uh, pretty much that burn the sun, I I still take things from that.
0: You know what I mean?
1: That's which like I mean, which,
0: which which I guess is a testament to the album's strength, right? Because if you're still if those, if those ideas are still ingrained 20 yeah. years later, yeah. you, you, you struck gold, right? And, and that's, that's what I've always said in terms of just like yeah, the exactly esteem exactly. that that level is, you know, that that album is in. Um, let's just talk about, obviously, next month you have the Michael Romeo album coming out, War of the Worlds part two, uh, follow up to his effort from, much. uh, yeah, it's yeah, good. it's right, right, right. It's, uh, uh,
1: March 25th, yeah.
0: March 25th. I'm sorry. Originally it was coming out in February. I think they pushed exactly. it back to yeah. March 25th. You're absolutely right. Um, been about four years since, uh, the first part. Uh, what, what can fans expect, uh, out of part two? A better kick drum sound. <laughs> no, I love the kick drum sound on the first one,
1: but man, Simone again, Simone Molodonia, man. He's just, we're a team. He's such an amazing engineer. Uh, Everything on those albums alive. It's not samples and stuff. Like a lot of the metal bands, it's all sample now. Mm-hmm. That's like hours and hours and days of days of getting a drum sound, you know, and really, fuck, really like going for a sound and, and, um, you know, making it sound huge and making it sound modern at the same time. It's not easy, but he's brilliant. And as far as this album, the second album, the Romeo album, I mean, it's just incredible. The songs are better in my opinion. He's ripping it up. I mean, he's always ripping it up, but he—he's really playing stuff that not many guitar players have ever played before. And when he solos, you know, he doubles everything. So every solo he does, he's doing the same exact thing on top of that. That's, that's pretty that's, hard score,
0: Yeah, you know? I—he's—he's I, uh, he's a machine. I—I—I <laughs> I, I don't know how—I don't know how he does it. You'd think he would have four hands with some of the stuff that he pulls off, but he—he does it. He,
1: he's ridiculous. Yeah, and then um, new vocals. Um, Rick is not singing on it. Dino's singing on this one. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's still J.D. on bass. Who's unbelievable bass player. He he plays with Zach Wilde, Black Labor Society. Mm -hmm. So it's the same guys, different guys singing. And in my opinion, better songs. And um, I don't know. I got to play a little more, you know, like um, second album I did with him. Mike pretty much sends me a demo because – He's a great drummer, by the way. Not a great drummer. I he, mean, he knows what he's doing. Right, so right. If, if he's going to give you an idea, like a drum machine idea, it's realistic. Like Malmsteen used to send me this thing, and he had like this 30 second note button for the kick drums, like <laughs> unrealistic. But Mike uh, knows what he's doing as far as like, uh, he pretty much says, stick to my kick drum patterns, but you can do your stuff around mm-hmm. it, you know, or, you know, your linear stuff. On this one, I, I took it out more, and it's really tasty, man. I'm really happy with it. The mix is killer. The songs are great, and um, I'm looking forward to it, man.
0: Yeah, we're, we're definitely looking forward to that. And uh, before we let you go, why don't you tell us a little bit about what else you have going on and what else uh, we can expect from you in the future?
1: Um, Okay. There's a little arc surprise. We're not getting together. It's not a third album, but in the near future – you'll see the name arc happening and it's something i'm really super super excited about because arc is my baby and i you know it's something i'm just really psyched about so anybody who's into arc there's something cooking but i can't say unfortunately but it's not a third album that's okay not, that's
0: not it no? is um i i um i am excited I'm curious and I'll just leave it. I'll leave it at that for now. Yeah. Uh, so there's something, something brewing with, with that name, which, which which will be fun. Um, yeah. What about you? What else do you have going on in the, in the, in the uh, not so distant future? Well, ever since this lockdown thing, it actually helped me
1: out when, when they let us out <laughs> because yeah. like, all, the, all the musicians were, you know, everybody was sitting in and making albums and then, when they got out they needed people to record they needed a drummer so uh, in a in a a strange way the damn disease helped me right Uh, i've been recording like crazy but that that has started to slow down a bit i also think people are still up in the air paranoid they don't uh, you know i've done some gigs and sometimes it's packed and sometimes it's 10 people so it's very unpredictable so between recording and gigging being so strange um, I decided I'm going to do my second drum book. So I have a new drum book I'm doing. It. it comes with a video and it's killer. It's all on linear drumming, linear drumming. You'll hear all over the Ark and, and Mike Romeo albums. It's kind of like when between the kick and snare, you hear strange patterns between bells and cymbals and everything filling in the holes and also playing melody on the cymbals, but you're still keeping that original drum beat. So the band loves you. The band will not kick right. you out. So I got the linear book coming out. It's called United Sounds of Separation. Ooh, a good one.
0: I like it. I like it. I like it. And when is there a release date on that at this point or uh, still to be determined? I wish, man. I mean, I'm, every day I'm, I'm trying to finish it, <laughs> obviously. That's no,
1: okay. But now I got a deadline. Like I have to get it done by um, springtime has to be finished. And I'm hoping to release it. Summer or definitely by the fall. And I'm, awesome. really, I'm really happy with this thing, man. So pretty much I'm diving back into the education thing. And I hope things open up again and we could really start rocking shows, you know. But to me, it's like in 1976 after Jaws came out, you know, everybody went in Robin Moses and Jones Beach. We all jumped in the water. But after that movie, at least for three years, you wouldn't even put your foot in the water.
0: So I think club- some would argue you shouldn't go back to Jones Beach now, but for different reasons. But that's that's a that's a story for it's a story for another podcast. Uh, John, I want to obviously on behalf of uh, Chris and myself, we want to thank you for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I'm glad to see that um, I'm glad to see that you're doing well. I'm looking forward to uh, the drum book. Obviously, um, the Romeo album coming out in a couple of weeks. And uh, when you have when you when you know when you have some time, maybe jump on with us again
1: yeah man anytime you want and um when I come back to New York maybe we'll hang I'll meet you guys sounds, I'm gonna... sounds good
0: hit me up and uh we'll we'll get together
1: yeah you're both um you're in Long Island still and you're in what where were you guys living I forgot
0: yeah I mean I'm in Floral Park uh down on Long Island and uh, Chris over here is uh way upstate but uh maybe he yeah. can venture well, down I live
2: in, in Rochester I about like oh. an hour and a half away from Canada
1: all right <laughs> Go to Canada, you get the good beer. They got the moose head and it's like, you know, the really strong stuff. It's worth driving over the border.
0: No, don't drive any over the I here. love moose head. <laughs> I don't yeah. think
2: they let me over the border.
0: No, <laughs> oh, that ain't happening. Cheers, John. Have a great one. Yeah, there you go. Have a have a hat. Ha- enjoy the birthday. Have a good one and uh we'll have catch you birthday.
1: soon. Beautiful. Thanks, guys.
0: Thanks, Thank man. Thank you, John. Bye. Bye.